Welcome to another edition of... <laughs> All right, we'll start, we'll start that over. Why? That's just how we are. Okay, well, that's very true. Okay, so <laughs> welcome to another episode of DLO After the Show. I am Kenny, joined by my lovely wife... Natasha. Okay, so we had a week hiatus. Uh, we won't really go deep into it because we already posted everywhere about what happened. Um, but uh, we had a week hiatus, and we are now back. Uh, our last episode was... A uh, the interview with the lovely Kristen Booth, and we are now back uh, to our regular scheduled episode reviews. Um, this episode was the third episode, well, actually, second te- technically the second episode um, at following the original pilot movie. What's it? Uh, yeah, this, I thought it was the movie, and then one, two, and then we were on three. No, because we did the movie, which was the uh, the, the one about the oh, woman. Here that- we go. Oh, yes. Here we go. Yeah. So we got the pilot and then time to start living and then to whom it may concern, which is this episode. Oh. Okay. okay so because we, we keep show notes for each episode and I, I like very keeping organized. them very organized. Uh, tell that to uh, young me and he would be amazed um, because I was not organized growing up. Um, but uh, yes. So this week we reviewed the episode to whom it may concern. Um, now, this episode uh, deals with a lot of actual really serious uh, undercurrent issues that have been, that you know, it's been going on in the United States for a very long time and just now has started uh, to be discussed, uh, namely uh, PTSD, um, as well as race relations, uh, the war in Afghanistan. All these are the things that have, uh, you know, we've really started as a country, started talking about. And um, now the story revolves around a student, a uh, female student from Afghanistan who is uh, with an American family. And she's, you know, writing out a letter, um, you know, and she's even having a little bit of PTSD as well mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode. They, uh, you know, she's writing a letter to uh, to a soldier. And, you know, she goes and she mailed it off. You know, she's going off to college. The, uh, you know, and then the episode starts. The I guess the just a real quick overview of the plot line. Um, the the dead letter is sent to the soldier that saved her life, and she never knew how to get a hold of him. Um, and of course, the letter ended up getting shredded, and or the envelope got shredded, and there was no way of figuring out where it was. Not literally to go. shredded. Just the front of it was ripped off. Yeah, the front of it was ripped off. Um, the, it was in what the mangled le- letter pile. Uh, that's what uh, Norman called it. And mangled. It was like, wait, what was it? I should have wrote there that down. There was a name. Uh, the mangled something or other. It was like the last letter of the month, and Shane was really wanting to, you know, progress and get on with the. She was hungry. Yeah, she was hungry, which that plays into the plot. Um, and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, they go trying to find the soldier, and they come to find out that the uh, the woman that sent it, she's graduating uh, that coming Sunday. So they were really trying to figure out a way to get them reconnected. It was like what four days? Four? No, because it had been four years. Oh, yes, it had been four years. when the letter was written and sent to the day they got it. So that sends uh, the postables on a quest to find the soldier, and they have to, you know, deal with government red tape, uh, and which is a really, really funny scene. Um, and then uh, to try to, what? <laughs> what do we know? 
him from? Well, I know him from. Well, he was in. Uh, all right, so the was he from a Christmas movie? Yes, he was in a Christmas movie. Uh, Michael Hogan. He was in a Christmas movie where uh, that you know he was a shopkeeper. Um, uh, also, for me, I know him from uh, Battlestar Galactica. He played Colonel Ty. So uh, hmm. yeah, he was he was a, he he's been in a, a Christmas movie. He's a really really good character actor. He normally always plays. Uh, he normally plays someone that's really hard-nosed, military, typically, mm-hmm. except for in the Christmas movie. Again, he was just a shopkeeper, um, and uh, again, he it was a little bit more. It was a it's a different turn for him. Um, so uh, the character, the main characters, uh, of course, you have the postables, uh, Shane, Oliver, uh, Norman, and Rita, and then you also have the the. Uh, people that they're fixating on in the letter, uh, uh, Sam- how do you, how do Samilla, you- Samilla, and Buzz. So they are on a quest to, you know, they, and of course, you also have Valerie Harper. Uh, she, she's in there. She's so wonderful. She's wonderful <laughs> in this episode. So, all right. So, I'm just, we're, I'm just gonna dig right in really quick uh, with everything that they showed at the very beginning of their story, Samilla mm-hmm. and Buzz, where she, uh, you know, he befriends her as a, ch- she's a child, um, mm-hmm. I would say probably pre-teens. Um, and, you know, he's receiving a care package from his mother. Uh, and, you know, of course, all the village children run up and they take some of the brownies. And then he uh, gives Samilla a pair of socks. And then she turns, runs back and grabs him a hat, gives it, and that starts a, a bit of a friendship. And throughout that friendship, he realizes, or they you come to find that he starts teaching her how to how to read. Um, well, speak and read. Yeah. Uh, read and write English. in English. You know, talking about some of the different tones and some of the different uh, plot lines with this, I really, really think that the way that they actually portrayed um, uh, the relationship between the soldiers and the people in the village. You know, you had, uh, there's always something that you always hear about how racism is learned or, uh, you know, people are leery of each other. Um, And again, it's a a trait that's learned. But whenever you see children, they don't see any of that. Mm -hmm. So Samilla, you know, she, uh, her and the, you know, the kids in the village, they're quick to try to befriend the soldiers. But then they show uh, Buzz's, um, uh, probably his battle buddy, the one that that's with yeah. him, who is completely and totally leery of the village children, thinking that they're going to have bombs strapped to them. And then later on, while he's teaching uh, Samilla how to read and write, uh, she brings two other children with her, mm-hmm. and the men in the village, not trusting the soldiers at all, runs over, grabs the kids, and takes them away. So you can see that there's you know there's already trust issues between the two. Um, and you know, this is a combat zone, so, you know, the tensions are high, but just seeing the parallel or seeing the parallels of the United States, uh, you know, the military, as well as, you know, the people that are in the village, it was, I think it was nice and subtle how they wrote that, you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that they were really playing on. They kind of had them say things in passing and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also showed, uh, the purity of Buzz's character and then the children and how, you know, again, they were developing trust. Uh, you know, she mentions how, you know, you're teaching us English, we'll teach you Afghani, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're developing, you know, all this whole, you know, this basis of education and communication. And then you have the the villages attacked. Buzz essentially puts his life on the line to save Samilla. 
and you know just seeing him go and I, I love the symbolism of him ripping the pillowcase that had F is for friends and he uses that to cover her eyes because uh, I think uh, like she probably got like some debris or something in it from the explosions. Um, and he's like, well, it could be because he was putting her in an open sided helicopter that and too. she had never, she's in a little village, she would have never flown before. This is very true. <sighs> um, so he runs up and you know, he's carrying her while bombs are going off. And he, uh, you know, the rest of the soldiers are like, come on, just leave her, get on. And he's like, no, they'll kill her if they find her. So he puts her on the helicopter, he's like, go. And that's the last that she sees of him. That's mm-hmm. the last that she ever hears, uh, you know, hears from him. She has no idea. She never knew what his real name was. Didn't know how to get a hold of him, you know. The, and that kind of just speared the story, you know. That that, that kind of just took it on a different tangent. And I just love. First of all, let's let's talk. You know, I should have had this up. I'm going to bring up uh, this episode uh, on uh, IMDb because I absolutely loved. Uh, the actress that played uh, both young and grown up Samilla. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they had uh, the. Oh, you know, they don't even have her on here. That's odd. Anyway, so I'll try to track down. I'll put it in the notes of the episode of the actress that actually played Samilla. Um, they, you know, the postables. They go to try to track her down first of all because they opened up a, you know, a secondary letter. So going back in and taking a look uh, at the actress uh, that played Samilla, um, that is uh, played by Remy. K- I'm going to mispronounce her name. I'm probably going to butcher, butcher it. it. Uh, Remy Kalan. Well, I ain't even good try. <laughs> I'm sorry if I butchered your name if you ever watch this episode, but uh, you're an amazing actress, uh, especially on you know you know seeing this episode. You did a really really good job. But um, so. We're going to talk really quick about the scene at the mailbox grill. All right. So we're going to start picking picking this episode apart a little bit, uh, highlighting some of the scenes. And this was one of – wait, 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 why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> well, are we going back to this at some point? Uh, oh, yeah. We could, yeah, we could uh, totally talk about that. Because you right sort now. of forgot an important part when you were telling the story. Okay, explain. Go ahead. Before the bombs started going off, well, he couldn't teach the kids, the village let her teach the children, and they were all in a tent or undercover when the bombs started going off. So this is where his PTSD came from, because while he did save her, they led you to believe that other children died, and he believed it was his fault. Right. Yes. So, See, I, and again, as always, I absolutely love your insight uh, into this because uh, you pick up on things that I that I miss, and I absolutely, I totally miss that um, because. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I oh. did. Um, because uh, you know, it, it didn't even occur to me that he was he was taking the blame for the fact that what he started. Actually, you know what? Now that you say that. Does that make uh, the end of it make more sense now? E- even more sense because this is showing the ripple effect. Uh, they're mm-hmm. at the very beginning and at the very end of the episode. Yeah. 
the I think the biggest theme for this episode uh, is uh, ripple effects, mm-hmm. and you know just one thing that you do and how it kind of just spreads across, and you never know. It's kind of like the butterfly effect, and that can be good or bad. Yes, it can be. It, it definitely can be good or bad. You can send uh, people down uh, either really good roads or not the greatest of roads. Well, not only that, your ripples can either be a negative or positive ripples. Yeah, you can you know, spread positivity, kindness, love, or you can not and (laughs) not. (laughs) Not and not. Um, You know, and, and, you know, and I think for us, that's, uh, you know, kind of the biggest thing with the happy bubbles. You know, we we want, you know, people to, uh, you know, there's not enough smiling in this world. There's not enough happiness I think, and I, you know, and any, you know, step that we can take to do that is always, always a plus. That's why I, I, this one was, this was a heavy episode for me, Mm -hmm. but A, I think it is the perfect one for now. It really, really is. Like right now. Right now. Yes. And the, the overall story of hope redemption um restoration yeah and and how you you can change someone's life whether it's with a big gesture or a small gesture Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's Uh, what i loved about this this episode was fantastic when it uh you know when it came to this and actually before we actually start nitpicking we're not nitpicking but digging into the episode i also do want to make mention about the ending you know you were just speaking about that sammy goes on to become the valedictorian of uh her class she's graduating and you know she comes on stage she's wearing one of the socks uh that buzz gave her and she's giving her speech and during her speech, she uh, explains how it, it was because of his teaching and, her, you know, what she learned from him that she went on to be a student teacher while she was in her senior year. And she had the students that she was teaching stand up. And several kids in the audience were just standing up, like, all over. And Buzz was in attendance. They had them all cleaned up because at they where they eventually found him was he was working in a church um and he wanted nothing to do with anything from his past i mean he left his purple heart uh he did not want to be acknowledged as being in the military he even you know disappeared from his own mother mm-hmm. um and because of the shame for what he thought he had caused by by teaching her what he taught her and having them there during that day that made all of those children easy targets yeah and so, you know, she's explaining how, you know, the the stuff that the, you know, there's people that will touch your lives and sometimes they're not, they won't even be here. And right as she says that she looks over and she sees him, hops off the, she runs and hops she's off. She's in the middle of saying, but you'll always love them as she runs off the stage. She runs <laughs> off the stage, and ju- you know, jumps off. I, and, you know, being that she was wearing the sock, I was scared she was going to slip. Uh, because she, you know, she gets down, slides off the stage, runs and gives him a hug. And I'm sitting here typing up notes and I'm like seriously <laughs> feeling like, you know, all the, as the children say nowadays, all the feels, uh, you know, back of my mm-hmm. head, I'm starting to tear up while I'm typing because it was just such this powerful moment of, for Buzz, redemption, for Samilla, 
uh, restoration, mm-hmm. you know, of, you know, and finally finding, uh, finding out that he's actually even alive, mm-hmm. you know, and not only is he alive, but he's there, you know, and so with them being able to embrace, you know, it's just like, I'm not crying, you're crying, you know, and just the waterworks start. And, but it, it's again something that I like like you said earlier, I think the world needs right now. you know, we mm-hmm. need to put put aside the the differences, acknowledge our differences, but embrace them and then embrace each other. you know, and that was just this beautiful moment. The writing was phenomenal on this episode, absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, there's one part in the very beginning where he is going through the alphabet and he says F is for family finds out that her family's not around and she said F is for friends. Well then at the very end of the episode, he's like, well, he takes a picture with her. He's like, look, I'm going to go ahead and take off. You know, you're here with your family. I don't want to intrude. And she goes, Hey, F is for family. And it's like the, you know, everything comes full circle for them. And Mm -hmm. you know, he's, she's like, no, look, you're not, I'm not letting you go now. You're not going anywhere because you, you know, you saved my life, You, you know? And again, that's the whole ripple effect of not only, did you know the act of him saving her life uh allow her to go on to teach and to reach all those lives but it, it's about her doing that that ripple kind of just rebounded back at him and made him feel whole again mm-hmm. you know so i think that was again the way that they tied everything together in this episode was just brilliant um now i now going back to the beginning of the episode the <laughs> When they're in the mailbox grill and Shane is, and, you know, she's famished. And I have to say, uh, there's several moments between the four postables in this one scene that I absolutely adore. Um, first with, you know, and they have it framed beautifully. First, I want to talk about the set design again. Um, Kristen Booth talked about this in our yeah. interview. The set design yeah. for the mailbox grill, um, just from an architecture standpoint, there are so many clean lines and angles that kind of just focus in it's, on that yeah, center shot. Um, and as they're, you know, as they're zooming in uh, to the shot, it's just everything is just drawing you into the four. You have Shane on one end, you have Rita, Norman, and then Oliver on the opposite end. And it's like a family at a dinner table, you know, and... Uh, Rita and Norman are the children, and Shane and Oliver are the parents. And there are so many moments where Shane... All right, so Shane has the weirdest salad habits I've ever seen. Um, she I has, was actually honestly wondering about... Because she actually ate that. At least I assume. She put it in her mouth and she was chewing. Took several bites. For shooting this. How much she enjoyed the salad. Because, all right, so let me see if I can get a count of what she had. She, on, on salad, no dressing. It was like a, um, I, w- I want to say like a, a green leaf salad. No dressing. There were some tomatoes in it. Uh, like spinach, though. Maybe some spinach. Um, but, again, no dressing. She asked for Tabasco sauce. Then she wanted mustard. She wanted salsa. Um, I think that's where we... Oh, and then salt and pepper. And salt and pepper. So first she asked for the Tabasco sauce. Everyone's just... They, they kind of kind of breeze over that a little bit. No one really notices. But then she goes, oh, and in the middle of talking, can I have the salt and pepper? And they pass the salt and pepper and they slide it over. And there's a moment where Eric Mabius, as Oliver, he just gets this look on his face like, what is going on with this salad? Like he, Like he... The look on his face is like, 
She's not about to put salt and pepper. Oh, there she goes. She put salt and pepper on salad. And then after, the, you know, and then uh, she asked for uh, either salsa or mustard. And even Rita's like, what? Why? So she goes and gets a whole basket of condiments and put them, puts them in front of Shane. And Shane is just pouring all these different condiments on it. And everyone is kind of just looking at her like, you have lost your mind. Uh, and she's just, you know, stuffing her face. Again, Oliver is... Now, one thing I did notice is they've kind of just... Uh, after the first, like, two episodes, Oliver is now... You know what? I guess mail can leave the DLO office because we're going to sit here in the mailbox grill and just start going through the mail. Um and, you know, he's reading the initial letter that it doesn't really have the heart and soul in it. It's just mm-hmm. a really formal, you know, the envelope contains uh, military records, requisition forms. Mm-hmm. Um, it contains uh, the letter that she's trying to reach out, the, where the name of the episode comes from, to whom it may concern, mm-hmm. um, to try to reach out to someone in the military to help her get connected back with Buzz. Um, he doesn't open up the secondary letter, though, you mm-hmm. know, and he thinks that, Okay, well, we know that it's going to the military. We'll bring it to the military. We're done. We're good. And Shane, you know, she brings that heart back into it. And she's like, no, 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 no. This isn't done. You need to open up that other letter because, I mean, seriously, all we have is to whom it may concern. That doesn't get us anywhere. Of course, Oliver, he's not having any of it. Um, And then he's like, look, we're going to go ahead and go. He goes, I'll get the check. And he gets up and he walks up to her and he goes, he says, step away from the salad, right? No. Oh, Something like that. Yeah, yeah he, I think so. He says something like, step away from the salad. So he definitely was really noticing it. While they're bantering back and forth, you can see Rita and Norman kind of tennis ball, uh, you know, a tennis game looking back and forth at them like, and they just look so confused at, at the way they're interacting. I absolutely loved the way uh, Jeff and Crystal, you know, did those moments, you know, and they're, again, they, it was very childlike mm-hmm. to where they're just kind of watching mom and mom and dad, not even bicker, but you know, they were kind of just snarking at each other from their standpoint. They weren't really understanding what was going on, but obviously from the audience standpoint, their relationship is growing in that moment. It's yeah. like leveling up. Okay. So they get back, uh, you know, they decide to go to the, um, to the army. And they're gonna, you know, they they deliver the uh, records requisition form and that initial. Wait, wait, letter. you forgot part of the funny part of the. Oh, what at happened? The mailbox grill. Oh, which part? Because she was, she had gotten the letter that he hadn't opened yet, and right before he got up and told her to step away from the salad, <laughs> she said, "Oh, I'll just take this back." And obviously, Oliver knew that she was going to open it and read it. That's when he got up and took the. Gotcha. What was right. the what, the tiny uh, the uh, you know? Did I had you write the, it down? Uh, no, I don't think I did. He says something. Uh, I think I know what part you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is when uh, she takes the letter and she's you know tr- trying to you know sneak it off because she was going to open it because that's what Shane does. And uh, he walks up and he, he says, you know, you can take your, he says something along the lines of, you can take your tin type, grabs, uh, he takes the letter and then he tells her to step away from the salad and he takes off. Miss McInerney, I advise you to step away from the salad. <laughs> and he just gets this look on his face and she leaves. And then, leaves. or sorry, he leaves. And then yeah. Norman leans over. He goes to Rita, what's a tin type? And she goes, I'll tell you later. No. The funniest part of that is how she leans over. 
I'll tell you later. Like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, we weren't really sure what tintype meant. So we looked it up and it was a way of processing fo- photographs as a positive as opposed to a negative. Yeah. I I knew what a tintype was. I didn't I know didn't. that that's what, well, because I like, before I got sick, I like reading old West books and that's oh, what they used back then okay, right for picture taking. Anyways. So I just didn't know that that's what they meant. So I like how how you know again yeah. that tied in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go back to the DLO and you know Valerie Harper. She's uh, totally forgot to mention this part of the plot. Uh, this episode, Valerie uh, Valerie's character is giving Oliver's uh, review. She's mm-hmm. and you know Oliver's very meticulous about his reviews. He normally gets ninety eights, ninety nines. He's very proud of that. And then except for the ninety five, he got. He still has nightmares over. Yes, and he was very, very distraught that he got a 95. And it kind of sounds like our daughter when it comes to her grades where she's just like, oh, I, I got a 90, 96. It's like, okay, that's good, <laughs> you know? So uh, she's, you know, explaining, you know, she's talking to all of them. And Shane, uh, you know, she's first she's asking about everyone's desk and where they're at. And, you know, they show how Rita is the one that gets the mail first. And then... Uh, Norman has his own station with all and, the books around him. And then they talk about Oliver and his desk and his station. And she's like, "Well, where Shane sit?" Uh, he's like, "Uh." And she, I think this is my absolute most favorite part of the whole thing. Go ahead. When Shane walks over, she's like, "Well, I'm I'm a floater, you know, and I'm predominantly out in the field." And you know, she's really giving all these great little lines and these quips. Uh, even and then Oliver's like, "Yeah, and you know, I had just commissioned Norman to go ahead and give her, you know, to set up a desk." And Norman, he's like. The look at his face is like, you did? <laughs> yeah, deer in headlights. <laughs> and then right after that, uh, Shane's like, you know, just, you know, it, oh, you know, Mr. O'Toole was just telling me about a letter we just received. And she snatches it off of his desk right in front of him. Uh, she's talking about the letter that's on, you know, the unopened letter on the inside of it. Uh, I can't remember what she says to get Valerie Harper's character. It would be a lot to to explain, but <laughs> essentially she coerces her to open up the letter. Oh no, she didn't no. open it yet. That she says they're going to go ahead and go deliver it to the army. It started out as just a her, because remember she's just sort of walked away with the letter, and then he just sort of Oliver was just looking around, grabs his jacket, <laughs> a briefcase, and quietly follows her out of the room. This was actually the first time that you really see like actual tension between the two oliver was not happy at all with shane with what did he say uh, malicious black no not malicious something or other blackmail yeah well no i I think it was uh manipulative uh he said manipulative um because she turns around and uses that on him afterwards yes so uh he's like really upset because he feels like he was manipulated he feels like he was undermined uh and that it kind of broke the chain of command with how you know the status quo of the DLO office? You know, he's like, how am I supposed to lead now with Rita and Norman when you're in here just kind of just willy nilly throwing things, at, you know, throwing a monkey wrench into it? So they go into the office of uh, I think it was a colonel as well, um, but captain. he was a captain. He addressed him as captain at the end. So he goes in, they are, uh, you know, he, you know, he's like, look, we get these requisition forms all the time. He goes here, he puts on his big stack of to do. 
Yeah, and he's like, he goes, you guys did your job. You know, you can go ahead and go. Oliver was like, well, we have this. And, she's, and Shane grabs her. She's like, nothing. Thank you so much. Yes. All right, we're good. All right, bye. You know, they walk out. And he's like, why are you, you know, because once again, she was essentially undermining him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, and he's like, are you going to be insubordinate with all the uh, Tannic men in the U.S. military? I mean, you know, he was really, really upset. Uh, you know, she makes the she pleads her case that look, he wasn't going to read this letter. This was going to just go right on his pile. It was going to be forgotten about. So I welcome you to take this letter and put your faith in him. But I'm going to take and put my faith in you. <laughs> and that right there, I think one. Uh, you know, that was another. All right, so I I like this girl, you know. And then he was like, you know, you have a way of you something like you have a way with words. And she's like, or uh, and she she turns his words back on him. Yep. The, the whole uh, about being manipulative and just real tongue in cheek and walks off and he, with the that that with that smirk yes, on with, her face because she because <laughs> the thing is the one thing that is always throughout this show up until the more recent movies is. Shane always figuring out how to get her way with Oliver. She knew almost from the beginning. Persuasive, I think, is the word he used. Yes. And the thing is, from the very beginning, she knew that she had him hook, line, and sinker. Um, She knew that she can pretty much get away with anything that she wanted with Oliver. They go back to the DLO, and they open up the letter. Mm -hmm. This was one of my favorite parts of the episode. Oliver's going through and reading uh, Samilla's words that she was writing to Buzz. And explaining how much of an impact he had on her and what uh, his friendship meant, how helping the kids uh, that were in the village, how all of it meant more than he would ever know. And in the letter, she also touched on how she hoped he did not take the blame for what happened that day. Right. and Which wh- obviously he had. <laughs> and while he's reading the letter, Eric Mabius, again, knows how to really show emotion with just reading a letter. I mean, he got so choked up. This is something that carries through and why he was perfect for the DLO office, because even though he was, you know, by the book, ever since Shane showed up, he was able to really touch into that emotional side and really make his job have extra meaning. Mm-hmm. Not just, uh, I'm trying to live up to a legacy, mm-hmm. but really tap in to what the job was all about. And I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where he couldn't even continue. Yeah. Shane had to come over and finish reading the letter. And when she, you know, when she's reading it, they real they, you know, they figure out her name, they figure out where she's at, that she's going to a specific college, and they're like, Well, hey, we can go ahead and go talk to her. So they go to the college, they call, you know, they, they figure out where she's at, you know, where she was working and they sit down and they're, you know, and they're talking to her while they're talking to her, you know, she's explaining a little bit more about the friendship and the relationship and how she wasn't sure whether or not it ever, you know, if he was still alive. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of exposition in the mm-hmm. scene. Um, but that also brought about a new connection to Buzz with his mother because mm-hmm. they just just because of uh, by a wild coincidence. Well, I'm calling it a coincidence, but they would say that it was fortuitous um, that she mentions the brownies that Buzz's mother would send, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Wait a second, 
We got those brownies, in, you know, through the DLO office. Well, she goes back and because she was explaining how um, his mother would send brownies. And they were trying to figure out if there was anything else she could remember. And that's when she started going through the alphabet that he had taught her. Right. And yes. Peg was his mother's name. And it was for Peg's. I'm we're You're supposed to write this I, I down. I know, I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. Pegs. Uh, I'm ringing up right now. Perfect, it's three. perfectly. Let's say pegs. Why can't my? Uh, I'm having a, such a hard time typing tonight. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's not mm. it. Uh, pegs practically perfect brownies. Practically perfect brownies. Which I will say really quick. I just started typing pegs perfect and Google. Recognized it, so that's uh, that's something that was definitely searched. So it was Peg's practically perfect brownies that sparked Rita's, you know, photographic memory. And that she- they had a package come through the DLO that was full of the brownies from his mother, and yes. So they made the connection. They realized that his mother's name was Peg. They realized where it was, and they were able to go and talk to his mother. And, uh, the, his mother had not heard from him after he had got, or shortly after he got back, he was. The guilt was in full, uh, full effect. He, you know, was very quiet on the phone, wouldn't talk to her, and then he actually hung up on her, and then disappeared. And then disappeared. Um, but once they f- figured out his name, they went back and they spoke to the captain, uh, the captain and he, you know, s- s- explained that you know some of the stuff that he went through was classified. Uh, but he did receive the Purple Heart. Uh, he was in. Uh, you know, he collected some of the veterans' benefits, mm-hmm. left his Purple Heart at the hospital, and fell off the grid. Well, he also said when he was recapping one of the things he, he when they asked uh, Oliver asked a question, he said it's class or yeah, he said it was classified. He said, "I can tell you that there were many casualties, both military and civilian." Yeah, so that also led to uh, the whole guilt aspect mm-hmm. of it. So they actually, um, but I, I'm I'm trying to remember how they figured out that he was at the church though. He was sitting there, and Oliver was explaining how they were not going to give up trying to find him because Samilla needed to know if he was okay. Mm-hmm. They needed to find him, and the captain just sort of sat there, just looking at them. <laughs> it's a very grumpy look. Mm-hmm. Then it turned he's, thoughtful. He's good at that. And then he said that he had a friend that had come, came through on many occasions, and that he might be able to help them, which he did. He did. And they found out that he was at a church. Kudos to the makeup department because they had uh, him looking very, very um, similar to Forrest Gump whenever he was running across country and just had all the beard and his hair <laughs> was long. Hair. Very, 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 very. So ultimately what ended up happening was, you know, Oliver's sitting there talking to him and he's, uh, there. there's, here, where is it? Uh, right there. And there's a scene that is, okay, yeah. So Oliver's sitting there talking to uh, Buzz. And with him talking to Buzz, he's just giving this monologue about uh, heart, soul, uh, redemption, Mm -hmm. you know, and bringing everything back. And they just cut to Shane for a split second. And she's just rolling a single tear. And that just broke, I mean, that broke me there as well. Because it, it was just, just seeing her, listening to him it was just amazing who is the soldier uh oh yeah yeah buzz, buzz. here we'll look for buzz uh joel, joel berg. berg yes joel berg 
his acting in that scene was amazing. Yes. The intense emotion. Because not usually, but a lot of times when an actor has a scene where they have to cry or, and I'm talking like TV stuff, not like Mm -hmm. Oscar award winning stuff, (laughs) TV stuff. It's, they cry, they do their bit and that's that. But there are times where you get actors who can absolutely tear your heart out. Mm -hmm. And his emotion, I mean, he turned red. Like his eyes were red, tears just. Personally, in my opinion, I think he, uh, the uh, Joel Berg, the actor, I think he went somewhere, like internally, yep. he went somewhere yep. because while Oliver is giving, you know, giving his talk, he just breaks down and he he's he can't even look at uh, Oliver. He's just weeping. I mean, yep. this is weeping, sobbing. This sobbing. is more than yep. crying. Body shaking. Yeah, yep. and it's just sorrow. breaking. Yeah, sorrow and breaking. Yep. You know, just a complete and total breakdown. Yep. But then while it's happening, he's also building him up. Yep. And by the time he's done, uh, you know, he stands up with confidence and mm-hmm. shakes Oliver's hand. They bring him back to the DLO mm-hmm. and they're like, well, her, you know, her graduation is in three hours. And Valerie is like, uh, I'm not in charge of all these different departments at the post office for nothing. And she sends everybody on their way. And, you know, and she's also being that she has a theater background as well. Yeah. She's like, you know, she, you know, she puts a towel around him she, and she's going to clean him up. So that's when we go to the graduation, mm-hmm. and here at the graduation, they are, um, you know, she's giving her monologue, like we were talking earlier, yep. she's, you know, talking as a valedictorian, he's watching her, you know, he, the tears are welling up, because he's seeing just how far she's come since last he saw her. And when she says that, like you had said, when she says that she was a student teacher in the inner city, and she had... Uh, some of her students stand up throughout the whole thing you can you can visibly see not just us watching it but him he can see the impact Mm -hmm. that what he did has had that whole ripple effect again and and the thing that i love about it is it was a generational ripple yeah you know it went from him to her and then the next generation after that, yep. and and the thing is, the impact that she had on those kids is going to continue. Mm-hmm. And that, that you know they were implying that it just took one person yep. to make a difference yep. and affect eventually oh, thousands of lives, mm-hmm. which is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it wasn't uh, for him to be selfless and bring her to the helicopter instead of him saying, yep. "I'm sorry, kid," and get on and fly off. That you know, and he did that. Uh, you know, the complete total sacrifice of, you know, his own personal safety. Whether he knew he was actually going to make it, uh, he was like, "No, this kid has to survive." And he got her on the helicopter. Um, so, and again, we already recapped how you know she sees him, runs mm-hmm. off, gives him a big hug, um, and then this is the episode uh, at the very end where uh, Valerie retires to mm-hmm. run off with. Uh, the theater, the traveling theater groups, um, and going into showbiz, showbiz, and that's you know how the episode ends, and which was also emotional. I might add, yes, like there was some the finality there. She said to each of them was, mm-hmm. I just loved it, and you know there was a lot of parallels to the Wizard of Oz because that was a production that she was mm-hmm. in, in, involved in, 
again, something that I absolutely love as she's leaving uh, and she's like, bye. And everyone's kind of just, you know, just smiling. But then Norman as with this just childlike glee, he's like, bye. You know, he's all excited. And then they freeze frame on her with just the biggest smile. And, you know, that was pretty much her swan song on Sign Seal Delivered. Um, I have to say that this episode wasn't necessarily uh, all that. You know, I mean, they had it had its funny parts. There mm-hmm. was a few things here, but this one had a lot of heart, a lot of soul. Mm-hmm. It was like you said, it was heavy. There were several times that we stepped out of the happy bubble and we uh, kind of got in about you know knee knee deep in the stress bubbles, um, <laughs> uh, and that was. Uh, you know, and even sometimes you, you, you dip down to your neck a little bit. There were some, there were some heavy parts in this mm-hmm. one, um, but again, I love the fact that they spoke on PTSD. Uh, they spoke on you know the uh, horrors of war mm-hmm. in a very delicate way. Yeah. Um, you know, you didn't have to see blood guts or anything like that. Yep. It was just a very delicately handled way of talking about how. Uh, you know, the tried and true uh, statement, war is hell. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's something as simple and precious as someone, you know, a uh, child teaching other children how to read mm-hmm. and write and communicate with a different, you know, with people from a different country. And while they're doing something so innocent and pure, explosions start happening. Mm-hmm. And then several of them lost their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way they wrote that into the script the way that uh, they handled, uh, I mean, just the moments with Oliver reading the letter and getting all choked up and then seeing how, again, that moment where she runs off the stage after seeing him and not knowing if he was alive or dead and, you know, just squeezing his neck off. That was... He has to be pretty strong because she... Death grip. Yeah, and she hit she him like hard. She like body slammed him and when it, she hugged him. And it was and again, it was brilliant, absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. And there was one line, uh, you know, one thing that we try to do is we try to come up with a quote uh, for each episode that really kind of hit it out of the park. And I think the award for the best quote for this episode goes to Eric Mabius as Oliver O'Toole. They're sitting in the library where they found, uh, or like the school bookstore where they found Samilla working. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, you know, I, I can't believe you guys found me. I can't, you know, I can't believe that, you know, you guys are trying to do all this um, from just a, a simple letter um, and just from someone that was just trying to teach. And Oliver says, did it. hang on. Uh oh. She says, why my letter? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's important. That's the, that is important. And Oliver says, well, in this age of tweets and texts and abbreviated thought, I think people take for granted the gift of learning how to read and write. That is so poetic. And I think for me, the the biggest part that for me is the abbreviated thought. Because everyone tries to think in, it used to be 140 characters, but now everyone tries to think in 280 characters. What hashtag should I use? Should I uh, ask people to share and like? Uh, do I, uh, you know, how can I condense things down to just a small little bit and send it out? A brevs. A Yeah, well, yeah, one of our kids uh, likes to make a joke. He's like, yeah, I got to do, he goes, uh, that's a good a brevs. And it's like, stop it. Um, but he knows he just does that just to mess with us. Um, but, you know, you get all, the, we have a generation coming after us that, 
they live their, you know, to not to try to sound like Fast and the Furious, but they live their lives 280 characters at a time. You know, they look at Instagram and they look at Twitter and they really are not taking the time to, you know, there was a post on the Facebook group for Sign Sealed Delivered where they were talking about, you know, writing letters and who still handwrites letters. You know, we can sit here and fire off an email in 10 minutes and send it to someone all the way over in Australia, you know, and they get it instantly. Mm -hmm. But there's something so great about pen to paper, writing it out, folding the letter up, putting it into an envelope, uh, licking the glue on the envelope. Um, I'm sorry that, uh, and total side tangent there's a place that uh that i go like there's a doctor's office that they give out these mints and i used to enjoy them and then my wife was like and then tasha was like oh well they taste like uh you know envelope glue and i was like they do not and the next time i put it in my mouth i'm like she's right (laughs) (laughs) so ruin those mints forever um but i still eat them um but you know there's something about you know sealing that letter putting a stamp on it getting it in the you know getting it to the post office and sending it off or going to your own mailbox and you know lifting the little flag and knowing that it's going to go there's something so much better in my opinion than special it it is because people take the time that's exactly what i was just gonna say they take the time out of their day to sit down and put pen to paper pencil to paper whatever you want to put to whatever and they write because writing is more time consuming it you really have to want to do it yes you do it and it's a part of them that they're that they're giving to you Mm -hmm. not not just not just um words but again their time and their sentiments. So in an email, mm-hmm. you can just rattle off whatever. And sometimes you don't think about, you know, how you're saying something right. or, or what you're saying. But if you're sitting there <laughs> with pen and paper and you're writing, you're going to think really long and hard about what you're doing because you don't want to have a letter that either has lines across words because mm-hmm. you put the wrong thing down, or if they even still make it white out. Uh, yeah, well, they still. Make I know white they out. do white out tape, but yeah. do they make actual white out? I think so. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but but the thing is, you know, along those lines, so many people are have become reliant on the red squigglies under misspelled words. You know, and they either that or or how it's become so intelligent now to where it'll automatically correct your words if you've misspelled, you know, you know, transpose the I, I and an E, mm-hmm. or you know, if you uh, accidentally put uh, double letters, it'll get rid of one. You know, that there, it's you really have to put time, mm-hmm. thought, effort into a handwritten letter, um, and just like I was explaining on that post, how. I wrote, there was, uh, back in 2004, 2014, mm-hmm. I wrote you a letter every single day. 
You did. And I, put, I have a beautiful box upstairs. And I <laughs> gave it to you for uh, for Christmas. There were several times, several days where I'm sitting there writing the letter and I just realized that I completely flubbed like three or four words. And I'm like, rip, let's start over again. And, and there are some where I would write them really, really late at night. So you can see my handwriting getting worse and worse as the evening progressed. Um, so you really would have to put a lot of effort into it. So again, that... That line, I'll say it one more time. Uh, in this age of tweets and texts and abbreviated thought, I think people take for granted the gift of learning how to read and write. And it is something that is becoming a lost art, I think. Um, the actual handwritten letter. The the ability to sit and read a book that's actual paper and not on a Kindle or on an iPad. You know, there's something there's something so wonderful about the smell of a bound book. People always tell me, well, you know, do you have a Kindle or or um, do you read ebooks? And I'm like, I have some ebooks, yes, but I am a book in my hands, turn the pages woman if i could have a full library in my house i would mm -hmm. and i think for me for for this quote if you it has a little bit of a different meaning for me okay. i mean not a different meaning When you read the part that says that people take for granted the gift of, for me, you change that to reading and writing. Mm. Because when I got sick, I used to read books a lot. I used to inhale books. I could go, we could go to the library on the weekends. I could get three or four books and they would be done within a few days. I'm one of those people, you you, you know, oh, just one more page. I need to go to bed. Just one more page. Well, there were so many times <laughs> where I would come upstairs and I'm like, woman, you need to go to bed. <laughs> and for me, the other, one of the other things I've lost was my ability to write. It looks like a five-year-old is writing. And I used to have not, I wouldn't call my penmanship beautiful. I would. But I could write. And I loved writing letters. I used to write letters to him. I loved sending Christmas cards. Um, I would write notes for my kids to go in their lunch kits. So for me it struck home because it is something that I've lost and people don't understand what they have with reading and writing until you don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons I love this, this quote in particular, you know, it's, and sorry for the tears. No, it's okay because it, it, I mean, uh, it's reality and it actually relates and it kind of drives the message home. You know, there is 
that you know people do take for granted that gift they and things i'm even guilty of it you know i mean th- there's uh now granted i love handwriting letters i i love that mm-hmm. um but the and also with the reading aspect of it you know that there's uh so much digital we're inundated with digital content mm-hmm. all the time but sometimes i will say that i like to saying you know i'm going to pick up a, a newspaper today and go through i mean it's you hear so many people say well print media is dead you know we're all in the digital age and i really hope that's wrong i hope that we can continue to get things printed we can get uh actual physical books um you know and i think as long as you have uh publishing companies and you have people that are passing down the idea of actual physical books to their children um i know our daughter absolutely loves actual physical books mm-hmm. actually all of our kids do yes yes they do so tired? I, yeah just a little bit I'm, I'm getting a little tired um but uh i think that this episode again was had that this was well, while some of the other episodes are like a nice uh thick hearty dessert mm-hmm. This episode was meat and potatoes. Yeah. You know, it was really, really. Well, it took on a really difficult subject. It did. And I think the one thing that I I, w- I was thinking about why I love this show so much, other than it's just a really good show. I realized when we were talking to Kristen, she said something that I was like, that's why I love it. She said that, Martha? Yeah, Martha. Said the right okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> that Martha, with her writing, each episode, we were talking about how you never know where it's going to go. But it always, in the end, leaves you feeling good. Mm-hmm. And Kristen said, that's because Martha writes with hope. Yes. That her stories and each episode is a story of hope. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is. And in my happy bubble, hope is... A that's what we need. <laughs> that's a wonderful thing. And I think that's why I love it. Because is there always a perfect ending to it? No. But there's always that hope. And that... that You just you just feel good when it's all done. You know, one, one of the hashtags for this episode needs to be hope in a bubble. Um, because so many bubbles, so many bubbles, (laughs) but, but, but that's the, honestly, this one served up hope in a bubble. You know, this one was, uh, it was, everything was nice and compacted down. The story was really tight. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, uh, you know, I have to agree with you. This one was a very, very heavy one. This was meat and potatoes. Uh, but it was, you, you, when you were done, you were uplifted, mm-hmm. you know, you felt good about the, you know, everything that happened, the storyline, even though it was a heavy subject line, uh, or subject, it was, it ended, in my opinion, perfectly. Yes. So absolutely. this episode was, uh, you know, we absolutely love this one. We highly encourage you to check out, if you haven't, if you've never watched this episode, it's called To Whom It May Concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely recommended. It was, it's really, really good, again, for uh, people that may deal with PTSD themselves, uh, especially if you're in the military or former military, uh, some of the scenes in it may have a few triggers. So Mm -hmm. just be careful there. Um, And uh, also I think what I'm going to do is on this episode, I am going to, I I know that there's some like 
resources and hotlines for PTSD. So I'm going to yeah. go ahead and put that uh, in the, the you know in the description as well. It's probably on the screen as well. Yeah. Uh, for you know anyone that uh, may need uh, that or wants to recommend it to someone else. Um, so I think that's going to uh, be be it for this episode. Um, I did want to say something. Just what you said. Uh huh. This pe- this story dealt with what would it be combat P- PTSD yeah. mm-hmm. for both him and her. But PT- PTSD comes in all, all shapes and sizes. Shapes and sizes. I know that for me, I suffer from PTSD from last summer when I was airlifted. I do not like hearing helicopters anymore because I was airlifted twice in the span of a week. Um, I, I have a number of different triggers all surrounding what happened last summer. Um, I know there are people who deal with PTSD from physical abuse, sexual abuse, whatever it is. So this isn't just geared at military people who have suffered. This would be helplines for Anybody. Anybody, yes. <laughs> anybody. So uh, with those resources, please, please, please uh, take advantage of them. Pause right here. Before we end it, we never got up to take them off. Make sure that it's still recording. Oh, please. We're good. Okay, good. I kept trying to find a place to... to shut me up. No. <laughs> no, no. I'm joking. I'm no, joking. No, like, our conversations flow so nice. They really, really it's do. It's really annoying to interrupt it. Okay, so we'll cut in here. So, yes, uh, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. Um, We highly encourage you, if you have not seen the interview with uh, Kristen Booth, that was the last episode. Mm So uh, I'll link to that in the description as well. Um, Also, just really quick, speaking of that interview, I can't look at the intro to the show the same ever again after hearing about the dancing when, when and he goes to lean her back when he goes to lean her back and i mean we just wa- that scene happened right at the very end of the uh, opening credits and we just laughed and laughed <laughs> um and if you don't know what we're talking about go back and listen to the Kristen booth episode uh and the, that interview there's a little there's a few great tidbits in that one um so uh, i mentioned this on twitter um, this episode is, uh, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break on the DLO after the show, uh, because we are now going into, you know, for people that are listening to this in the future as well, we are going into the Christmas season right now. Uh, Halloween is Wednesday. And then after that, uh, this weekend coming up, that is for us where we officially, uh, kick off the Christmas season, and I do the air quotes there because we are already in the Christmas spirit here in this house. But uh, starting next weekend, we have traditions. We have we have traditions that we really <laughs> need to stick to. The kids are absolutely excited. We're excited. Uh, we do. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to say what we do. I'm just going to say we're going to be doing a, okay. a, a new podcast. <laughs> We're going to be starting our secondary or our sister podcast, if you will, uh, to this one uh, called Hot Chocolate and Snowflakes, mm-hmm. um, and which is our Christmas movie review uh, podcast. Now, not, not only is it going to be movies, but we're also going to be doing uh, holiday recipes. We're going to be uh, show, talking about different traditions, uh, tra- traditions music, um, and we kicked that off 
next weekend, uh, which is uh, for us is going to be the first weekend of November. Um, so please, I highly encourage you guys to, uh, uh, you know, I'll put a link to the Facebook page uh, where there's going to be news and updates there. Um, highly uh, suggest you guys go like that page. Um, follow that one on Twitter and Instagram. Besides, now you have to go see to see why he's being so cryptic. Yes. And you'll have to watch the episode so we can... Tell you. you yes, because there there is a tradition that we do that I will. Uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> there's a tradition that uh, we do I'm that so tired. It, it involves. Um, what we're going to be talking about on the first episode of Hot Chocolate and Snowflakes. I highly encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, that is uh, at Oddzuki, O-D-D-Z-U-K-I. Or if you want to follow Natasha, it is... At Juniper Dreamy, J-U-N-I-P-E-R-D-R-E-A-M-Y. There you go. Um, and we, again, thank you guys so much. If you're not subscribed to uh, the podcast, if you're listening to this and not watching the video, uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, you can find us, um, let's see, uh, Google Play. We're still trying to get uh, this on Spotify. Uh, that's taking a little bit of time. Um, but then also, uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, if you can go ahead and just move your mouse over and click subscribe. Um, so that way you can get notifications whenever there is a new. Don't forget to hit the bell. What's What's the bell? Oh, so you get notifications. Oh, yes. That's yeah. why they say hit the bell. I didn't know that. Okay. I, I, I normally fast internet. Yes. Oh boy. We're both tired. Um, but, uh, yes, hit the bell so that you get the notifications and then also you'll get notifications of the, uh, other shows, hot chocolate and snowflakes. Um, and we also have a couple of other shows that we're working on, like with the kids. I know that our youngest, he has a show that he does called the daddy and Nina show that I am. Uh, I do the show with him as well. We have several different playlists. Uh, we also have working on other things. We are working on Yes. We definitely have some other things uh, that we're going to be making some announcements on probably on the hot chocolate and snowflakes, uh, podcast as yeah. well. So thank you guys so much again for watching, and we will talk to you on the next episode of DLO After the Show. Bye! Bye.